Business's Big Podcast. It's Build a Big Podcast, the marketing podcast for podcasters. I'm David Hooper. Bigpodcast.com is the site. This podcast, it is all about how to grow your podcast audience, get more people to your podcast, make people care about it. This episode, this is part two of my interview with Patty McMahon. She spent years working for Terry Gross as a producer at Fresh Air. And if you have not heard the first part, this is how to get it, bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. That will get you signed up. The first part is all about how she edited interviews, how they made selections of what is good and what's not good, how Terry prepped for interviews. On this episode, we're going to talk about the infamous interview that Terry did with Gene Simmons. I got a funny story about this. My father loves radio. He loves talk radio. He loves old-time radio. He's a radio guy. The day that this interview that we're talking about was aired, it just so happened that my father was listening to the radio and he and I, we've got this shared experience with Gene Simmons and Kiss. When I was 15, this was 1987, my father took me and a friend to see Kiss. My father, not a fan. It was our idea, not his. So he knew that I was a fan when this Gene Simmons interview came on. He popped in a cassette. He recorded it for me. Hey man, heard Gene Simmons on the radio with Terry Gross. Thought you'd be interested in it. This interview was 15 years after I saw Kiss, 1987. This is a 2002 interview. And when I heard this interview, it took me back to being that 15-year-old in 1987. And I'll tell you why. It's me and my friend watching Kiss in a huge auditorium. We weren't sitting with my father. He's somewhere else. I don't know where he was. (laughs) My friend's a super big Kiss fan. I was kind of a fan, but he had tickets. He'd want them off the radio. Say, hey, man, you want to go? Yeah, I'll go. Needless to say, it was a lot different than the experience that I had had with Kiss before. If you've ever seen the old school Kiss shows, just say this, it was vulgar. Probably a 90 minute show. 30 minutes of that was the main singer, not Gene Simmons, but Paul Stanley, the dude with the star on his face. 30 minutes of it was him talking, doing these stage rants. Like, people, let me get this off my chest. I saw a woman and she had some big t- <laughs> So it's me, 15-year-old David, and my buddy. I'm looking at him. He's way into it. And I'm thinking about my father elsewhere in this auditorium. He's hearing the same thing we're hearing. And I was thinking, man, this is going to be a weird ride home. And it was. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> Fast forward 15 years later, he hands me this cassette tape of this Terry Gross interview he's done. The Gene Simmons interview was worse. It was worse. It was so uncomfortable. I mean, that stuff worked in the 80s, right? It's fun when you're going through the Beavis and Butthead stage and it's like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) just trying to find your place in the world. But, you know, as an adult, outside of the club, auditorium, smoke, lights, It just doesn't work. And it definitely did not work with Terry Gross and NPR. I wasn't the only one that thought so. Everybody was talking about it. You couldn't find it online at the time. And there are reasons for that. We're going to get into that in this interview. It was never replayed, never posted, at least not officially. I mean, these days, everything's on YouTube. So search for it. You can find it. I think that made it even bigger. 
So with that said, here's the conversation that I had with Patty about it. She was there in the studio with Terry. We talk about the experience. We also talk about the ethics of interviewing, guest booking, payola. It's a great chat. And as a podcaster, I know you're going to get a lot out of it. This is part two of three of my conversation with veteran radio producer, Patty McMahon. Every time Terry Gross comes up, even when I saw her speak live, she said, everybody asked about the Gene Simmons interview. You were actually there during the Gene Simmons interview. That Infamous. The infamous interview. <laughs> the Gene Simmons interview. And that's a thing where I don't know if that guy was having a bad day, mm-hmm. but there's almost like a professional courtesy when you have a guest on your show yeah. that it's almost like the rule of yes, you know, in improv that somebody's just going to go along and let you lead it. He seemed not to be into that at all. No. And um, it was a train wreck from, I think, the first question. It was really strange for us because we're really used to people having nice manners. And probably thrilled to be there. By the way, he was remote. I have to say this. It was a remote ISDN. So a lot of the people were not in the physical studio with Terry. So he could hear her, but yes. wasn't there in the same room. Correct. You know, with a RE20 hanging right in front of them in a different studio somewhere else. And we would do a release, of course. You know, do you have permission? This is a recording and may be used in the future. And then things change with digital, of course. We had to update it. Most people let you be able to air, basically rebroadcasts or say Terry put together a book of interviews, what she did years ago, be able to repurpose the interview. Most people said yes. And if they said no, usually it was intellectual property stuff, poetry, some things. But yeah, so he did not care to allow that. And that's fine. I don't think anybody even blinked at that, really. just So he shows up on the show just thinking that it's going to be used for that show, but you're not giving permission beyond that beyond that yeah so it's only for the broadcast of that day and i guess yeah that day that's it so if you go into the archives on fresh air which by the way is an excellent excellent resource yeah you can't find it train wreck is the way to say it because he didn't he didn't act like the um the he didn't act like a guest that every other guest had ever been through there had acted like even if somebody you knew had some kind of hostile behavior or is known as a, a, a trouble or, or so to speak. And all, actually, too, we, you, don't really, you don't really book somebody if you already know they're going to be trouble, really. As a producer, right. you, you just right. stay away from that. It's just not worth it. You vet your, your guests way ahead of time. And also, too, I found publicists and or their clients sometimes don't know what Fresh Air was and didn't research it. And I definitely never assumed everybody knew what that was, just because that was my small little world. A lot of people don't know what it was. So Yeah, but surely he did, though. I mean, do you think that maybe he didn't know? I mean, he's so used to doing these interviews, these press junkets or whatever, that it was just another one of that day and somebody dropped the ball. Is that possible? I don't know. You know, I think maybe he wasn't. He was just so used to doing those junkets. And I think Terry surprises people sometimes that she's thoughtful. Yeah. I, and I don't want to put down anybody here or, you know, but it, it was one of the most bizarre interviews because we kept most of it in. There was hardly anything taken out. It was almost an entire show. And that was an odd, that's a, the decision by the um, the producers above me. Because I have to say it, it was good radio. And I, I that was the first time I believe I was introduced to that concept that it's, we, we wouldn't do controversy for sake of controversy, which is right. an anathema to what I used to be. Well, you're working with the tape that he gave you. Yeah. And... It was hostile. He was hostile. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting thing because I think that a lot of people would, and this is what gets us into trouble. We make stupid people famous. An example, maybe Tiger Woods. He had a different reputation than he was ultimately acting like. And that's because of people pulling punches. And that's because people, you know, we don't show the fights or we don't show 
You show the, the best. The hostility. Yeah. yeah. You show the shiny moments. Right. right. It's, a, it's a facade. And, and that's one of the things I thought was really interesting about it. it. It was uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. I mean, also, too, we were so protective of Terry. And it was really, I remember when it was going down. Oh, my God. I just, the, the looks of our faces in the control room. Because <laughs> you can hear it. You can't see him. <laughs> and we were just like, who's hurt? Nobody does this to our Terry. Right. But it was, he had a book. It was an interview. And it was, quote, quote, good tape meaning, you know, it is exceptional and people will continue to listen to it. Now we're used to that. Now we're used to controversial tape. I mean, this was still when Howard Stern was still on the air, but post Howard Stern, the shock jock stuff, that's what people plan shows around, which isn't my cup of tea. Yeah, but Terry's almost like Mr. Rogers, though. You know, it's, oh. who's going to go in and be a jerk to well, Mr. Rogers or Terry Gross? And, and th- there's your answer, Gene Simmons. Well, you, it's, it, it, is, it, uh, it is now in history books. And um, actually, it's funny where I, I worked for another organization many years later, very different than NPR, and I had a publicist pitch me, cold pitch me, uh, Gene Simmons' book. <laughs> and I actually picked up the phone. I, li- I really love wa- working with some publicists. I really do. Yeah. Some professors yeah. and some journalists don't. I, I, they're sometimes just golden, just great relationships. When you get a great publicist, oh. I mean, that's, they can send you some amazing people. And, oh, yeah. I enjoyed that yeah so i picked up the i'll pick up the phone for some different reasons and i picked up the phone and i said do you know what happened and she had no idea about the infamous thing years ago and she was happy i told her but she could be pitching places that that would be a a plus that he's that he's um you know uh what do you call it not so courteous as a guest but you know but he had a book about like business and i was working for a business show at that time so um yeah, so Terry, Terry is a. I had to, you know, she's a she's a classy interviewer. She's she takes the high road, always takes the high road. When she handled her own on that, that's what I think was even more impressive. It's almost like those, this Casey Kasem tapes we've all heard. Speaking mm. of tape that should have been on the floor, and he later said this. He said it humanized me, and I think that with Terry, I always think of her after seeing her, especially talk about that. She said there weren't a lot of opportunities for women when I was coming up and this was the opportunity and I ran with it. And you see what a strong woman she is yeah. when you he- listen to her really, I think kind of making Gene Simmons uncomfortable. Cause he just doubled down and that's one way of reading into it. That's how I read into it. Wow. She, she pushed back on him, you know? Well, she read his book, which might've been the strange thing, which, which, um, most people would not have, you read the dust covers, you read the press yeah. releases, you get the points and then you just basically turn the pitch points into questions. That's kind of like a real breezy way to do interviews, which was not the style of which I came from. For example, if you if you remember what a slush, a, excuse me, slush, I can't say it, slush pile was, or, you know, the, the yeah. um, if you're working in a news organization or a media organization, there are places where people have extra books or they used to be CDs and they're free-for-alls for everybody. So yeah, seeing her, seeing the books that Terry has used for interviews are completely, it's amazing. They're marked up dog-eared, underlined, completely worked through. Yeah, so I think she just surprised him. And I I think the publicist probably, I don't know, I don't ever want to blame publicists because I care about them, but there's probably miscommunication. If it was Twitter back then, it would have been really all over the place. (laughs) YouTube clips and everything. Let's talk about publicists for a minute, because with somebody like Terry Gross, probably she's being pitched a ton. Mm -hmm. You're in the office and you're seeing that you're a podcast producer. Now you're being pitched a ton, man, where can we go with publicists? You mentioned that when you've mm. got a good one, 
they're amazing, but I've got publicists, uh, had one today. Hey, send me your production notes for this thing that we're doing on the first. I'm like, production notes? <laughs> no. You show up and you'd be ready to go. I mean, I have publicists ask me crazy things. I think that publicists, uh, here's what we want covered in the interview. They'll give you the exact questions. Oh, sure. so sometimes that can rub people the wrong way. Certainly, I would feel awkward doing that with mm-hmm. Terry Gross and somebody who's a skilled interviewer, but it happens mm-hmm. anyway. Let's talk about publicists for a minute and how you balance getting the show that you need with the pressure from publicists and companies and other interests. Balance is the word. I um, You have to be delicate. You, you want to keep people around you. But the one thing I do is I say no. I will say, sorry, it's not a good fit. Some people will come back to me and ask me why for feedback, and I'll give them feedback. So you say no to the pitch in general. No to the pitch in general. And on, and I will be honest, and this is the part I don't like about the digital age. I worked for a wonderful show called Radio Times with Marty Moscowain at WHYY, which was the local 10 to 12 call-in show. And Marty came from Fresh Air as well. And then I worked for Sirius XM for over five years with another call-in show. It was a news show, a business news show. I had less of a staff. So I sometimes wanted to use the publicist information more than I I would have in the past. Actually, I do know some journalists who kind of look down on publicists. They're like, oh, I'll find my own information. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's a good way to offend a, a host by giving them the oh, oh, I mean, it, yeah, it depends on it. It all depends on the people. Yeah. What, how much time do they have? Oh, yeah. Oh, I know hosts right. are like, Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They're offended. Like, are you kidding me? But your morning show guy, though, if you're in the 5 a.m. on television. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They have a thousand of those things to do every day. They yeah. appreciate it. So it's a fun. You have holes to, to fill is a vulgar way to say yeah. it. And it depends on the style of your show, your audience. Well, your audience. You want to respect your audience. Of course, you respect your guest. You know, so if I have a live show and something happened, say I had um, six segments booked for a two-hour show, and then last minute somebody dumps, I have to immediately yep. find 20 minutes. And I say I pick up an old press release that I didn't go for, contact the publicist, like, hey, remember when I said no? Well, <laughs> I say yes. Then you have to like scurry and, and write up some questions for your host, which you might take off their press sheet because that's what is true. Flip side, if that happens too, I got turned down. I remember I really wanted to interview Rob Halford from Judas Priest. They said, nope. Then Rob Halford had a Christmas album. Hey, can you interview me about this Christmas album? All right, cool. I think that's one of those things that people understand it from both sides, that it might not work yeah. now, but it could work in the future. Don't burn bridges. Oh, my goodness. I was once a panelist. It was a journalist seminar about what pitches don't work. I had a fun one with that was, don't pitch me a French mime for a radio show. I'll never forget it. And I also, I actually, and, and I come from theater yeah. and music and I, I just love it. And I will sometimes, I used to work a lot harder to try to create theater on the air, which if you see a press release and it says experimental theater, you usually, usually should know, come on, that's only, it's a experience only, it might not translate to radio. But I really like this theater company and just for respect to them, I'm like, okay, I'll pre-interview your mime. <laughs> he has like a really strong French accent. Let's just say he, I never booked him. Well, at least he talked. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but the thing is, it came from people who know better, but maybe they don't. From really, really smart people. Yeah. Could be a blast. It could have been, it was not a blast. It was an individual press, um, individual pitch. But yeah, there are a lot of, I tell you, it's, um, it's, it's just a hard, I guess go back to you, don't burn your bridges. Try to keep open relationships with people because sometimes you need, you know, you need something from them. They need something from you. And I was surprised so many times 
by a publicist who said, I think this will be good for you. And I'm, of course, a little arrogant thinking, well, I know what's good for me. Then I finally take a, you know, right. a couple more minutes to check out what they're pitching, and I'm thrilled. And then all of a sudden, it's the best interview. We're all best friends. Life goes on. And you've probably seen that too, where you're not very excited, you're kind of on the fence, and then it turns out to be great, or you're really excited, and it's like, ugh. Yeah, and you know what? You move on. You move on. You do not yeah. languish over that B-plus whatever interview. Like I like to say you want an A-plus interview. If the interview was a B-minus or C, move on. Well, sometimes you've got a bad day. They're having a bad day. You do a post-mortem with the team, for sure. I mean, if, if you have a perfect day that's planned, you try to figure out what happened, why did it happen, let's not do it again. But sometimes you're right, it's a bad day, it's a vibe. We've had to, unfortunately, I hate to use the word, but kill interviews. Not many, but you do all this prep and then it just falls apart. Have you ever had the experience, like I've got one where uh, somebody came in and they were, it was a Christian author and he's acting in a certain way. Very, very, uh, very Christian. He's got a, he's got a, uh, a public persona. Mm. We later found out that he had had some crimes against children. We'll say that, that I just, I didn't want to be part mm. of. Right. And then you're like, Ooh, what am I going to do? And I, we killed it right away after the fact. I've had situations like that where a guest, uh, will go murder somebody afterwards or get arrested. We yank it. Sometimes people don't actually give you the full story. I'm curious about those kind of situations where you get caught up in a situation you don't want to be in. Oh, I just got chills all over because you try to vet your people as much as you can. I specifically remember one. Um, yeah, he was already on the air. And then I find out later that, yes, he had done very horrible things to minors. And then that was just pulled from archives. That was never going to see the light of day again. Right. And I just, and I remember, I wonder if I would still be this um, upset now. I was so upset. I was like, why didn't I catch that? Furious. And he was a public persona. Some people knew it. It was one of these, like, I don't know, open secrets. And um, it was, you know, because I'd like to say, no jerks on the radio. No, we're not going to have any jerks on the radio. Well, which is right. like, it's nice to have that. But, you know, because if you do try to vet someone, at least now, sometimes you go, it's easier to vet somebody sometimes because you can go on Twitter or Instagram. And you could check out their flavor, so to speak. And if someone's, you know, not very nice, why do you have to have them on your show? But all this other deeper, darker stuff, yeah, that's something you just got to live with and hopefully just never, yeah, just take it off the shelf. Yeah, that's weird. Murder, though, is that's really tough. I don't know if... I've... Here's the thing about murder, though. It's because the guy wasn't trying to be somebody else. And he did after yeah. the fact, after we had... I mean, this is a like a kind of a drunken, drink too much songwriter and it's like well you kind of expect that drugs some sorts of things but when it comes to you done something beforehand that hadn't come to light and you mm. lied to us you don't trust him and we help perpetuate your good mm. name and it wasn't really accurate that's what made me mad oh because you're you're a part of it you're implicit you're complicit yeah exactly you lied to me and now i'm lying to my people trust is everything trust yeah. w breaths and trust <laughs> So like the main fundamentals <laughs> of radio. I thank God I, to my knowledge, haven't experienced that. I did work, though, for a um, a business. I worked for a different organization, and it was a business show. It's a top business school. And there were a lot of people who came through that I couldn't vet every single person. A lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of yeah. big, big names. And um, at that point, it was bigger than me. I wasn't just the producer. I had to negotiate with other people. And so there were a lot of money people 
and money is hard to talk about. Let's dive into that because that's also an interesting thing to me, having a broadcast show where, say, an artist comes through and they happen to be playing at a club. And the club is a sponsor of the radio station and buys ads from the radio station. Or you've got the publicist where he's sending you good stuff. And there's what I call like a ride along or a value meal. I'll give you this guest when you get this other guest. I have to say, and I think I could say this clearly, we wouldn't do it. Like, at least the places I worked, we'd never have raffles or free giveaways. Editorial is different than advertising. Yeah, it was separate. Occasionally, if, say, there was an advertising for, say, like a Ken Burns, I don't know, something that was coming. Now, this is the mechanisms I'm not completely familiar with. But, say, the people who program the ads pop up in a particular time on the clock that might dovetail with the content accidentally, coincidentally, of a program. That sounds like it's too close and too, um, you know, uh, that's uh, what do you call it? Um just not good taste. But that wouldn't have been intentional. Yeah. And then if, if we flag that, then we'll try to move the promo and, uh, and the ad to another time so it doesn't have that appearance of conflict of interest. That's the word. It sounds like you have like what I would call journalism standards. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. But that's old school newspaper, radio, and I think podcasters, blogs. There's a kind of a maybe a gray area. And that's another thing that either people haven't been taught or people just don't even think about it because standards do change over the years. But it sounds like you're very much entrenched in that. Oh, my God, I am. And I've missed out on some really nice things. (laughs) I mean, I mean, of course, if if a person want to say, say my favorite, one of my favorite musicians comes through, we do the interview. The publicist gives me a ticket that night to see the show. I have no problems with that because I did the interview and it wasn't a pay for play. It was a courtesy. But, oh my gosh, especially Terry. Terry is an ardent person in that. I would say this for the rest of my life. Everybody wanted to be on the show. And so they would send whatever they were trying to sell or what they made to her, whether it's ice cream, food. I mean, I don't know how much food I got. I (laughs) ate through the mail. Some of us, you know, were, you know, it was my early 20s and stuff. And it was free food. And I didn't. Oh, yeah. And it's laying there. You know, I would eat it. And Terry was like, nope. Being at a radio station. If I go in there, there is pizza. There are donuts. Yeah. There, you know, that's donuts and pizza. <laughs> there's a Cadillac with cocaine parked outside that mysteriously arrived and it's yours. I miss that. Nobody ever offered that. I'll tell you, this is something you might find interesting that I was in my producer's office. He wouldn't mind me saying this. And he's got some nice JBL headphones next to him. They're still in the box. And I was like, dude, nice headphones. He's like, yeah, they just arrived. And the way they are doing, what I would call Paola now, they will pay for these guys to go to radio conventions or go to South by Southwest, but you don't know who's paying for it. There's that fund that funds all the radio programmers to go. And then I guess you hope uh-huh. you hope you get one of them or something. So there's ways around that, but it's, it's definitely not like it used to be in the old days where it really was hookers and blow. Uh. Yeah, I think we're just a little young for that world, at least, or at least that wasn't happening with the memoirs. Well, they talked about it in the memoirs in the early 2000s. (laughs) To get around a lot of that would be having a caveat. Like, say, if there was somebody too close to an interview or somebody on the staff worked for somebody, we would always say something ahead of the interview saying just, you know, as a, a heads up, this person is related to this person. It has nothing to do with the integrity of the interview. We just want to let you know that we don't want it to be perceived as a conflict. Perceived, that's the word. Throwing it out there so they can't come back with it later. Yeah, there's definitely, I saw some murky things. Um, 
Can you talk about that? Something you saw that you just like, eh, just kind of like something that somebody tried even that you couldn't believe they were doing it. I'd rather not, if you don't mind. No, I don't. It's strange because doing a show in the music business, I ask this question all the time. Let's talk about payola. I'd rather not. That's a very common answer because I, uh, I don't know. I think it, sometimes it makes it seem bigger than it was, but uh, you definitely hear those old school, hey, you got a nice pair of shoes. I want them. You know, like that kind of stuff. And people would uh, try some old stuff uh, or, or the older people would try some, um, you know, stuff, stuff happened, whatever, you know. I've heard some old stories from the guys in the 50s and 60s here in Philadelphia that were MOB related. And oh, yeah. They were like of lore and um, some of those people are still alive and yeah. I wasn't there. So I can't say. It is an interesting thing though, because I do think there's certainly gray area, especially if you're a 20 something intern or just a fresh associate, junior editor, reporter, whatever, and you're broke and you're just trying to make ends meet and somebody's coming to give you stuff and you have uh, maybe a little bit of influence. It's, um, yep. It is something that we face. Oh, yeah, no, it's true. And I'm not saying I'm misethical. We did an interview with a really marvelous, oh my God, he's a great interview. He happens to be the top of a coffee empire. It's a really famous, wonderful coffee roaster. We talked about something different than coffee, but as a, just a courtesy gift, he sent us a box of coffee and we had to donate it because it was not right, right for us to take it. And it was like, I was going through a really rough patch at that time. I'm like, oh my God, my favorite <laughs> coffee. I really want the coffee. But nope, yeah. donated it to, you know, a, a yeah. charity. And um, that's an example. But I mean, we're all not like, you know, perfect. I'm sure there were some gray areas here and there, but explicitly pay for play. I mean, people aren't paid to get on the radio. I, I mean, I'm surprised. Actually, I could probably count on one hand of all the thousands of people I've booked, but two or three people have asked for money to be on the air. Talk about gray areas. There is a podcasting service and they just announced that they are paying hosts to interview the people that they send you. Say that again. There's a service online and you go there as a host, say, I've got a podcast and they will pay you to interview the people who are also paying them to get bookings. Oh, okay. But the question that I have is that I'm looking for quality, not just anybody who's willing to pay me. You're not paying me enough to hurt the integrity of this podcast because it's always somebody who's willing to pay you and then they want to sell something. They want something in return. And once you get into that, it's like you've lost credibility with the audience. You got people who really aren't skilled, who don't belong there. They're just there because of money. Hey, Ola, that is an interesting discussion. I'm no Sunday school teacher, but I value relationships and I would never sell out listeners or hurt my relationship with listeners, including you, for a few bucks. It's just not worth it to me. What you've just heard is part two of a three-part series that I did with veteran radio producer, Patty McMahon. To get all three parts of this, bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. The first part, it's about editing. It's about how Terry Gross prepares for a great interview, how she gets a great interview. The second part, well, you just heard it. You know what it was about. Interviews, sometimes they don't go that well. The third part, that one's coming next. That is about making money as a radio producer. That is about the opportunity we have as podcasters, the opportunity veteran radio people have, freelancing in radio, aging radio host. I'm one of them. We talk about all of those things how can you keep relevant in a changing industry? It's a good episode. You want to make sure that you get it. Bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. Three buttons, one for Android, one for iPhone, one with an RSS feed. Bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. Go there, pick one of those three, make sure you subscribed, and I'll see you on the next episode of Build a Big Podcast.